Welcome to the Because Church Suite podcast. We believe innovation is a part of the solution to alleviating poverty. So we're going to be talking to some pretty interesting people from all over the world doing some pretty innovative things. Our hope is that the conversations will inspire you to creatively pursue being the church where you live and where you may go. The content of each episode is geared towards our church suite partners, but could be helpful to anyone a part of the church and especially those of you leading or pastoring. If you'd like to partner with us through our VBS mission project, our youth ministry series called Shoebox, by distributing the shoe that grows through a trip or in your church's efforts with Operation Christmas Child, please let us know by reaching out at becauseinternational.org. For now, enjoy this podcast episode and remember that small things can make a big difference. Hey, this is Kenny Wade, the Because Church Suite Manager. And uh, I met Eric Samuel Tim that's featured in this podcast episode a couple of years ago in Colorado. We were both at a uh, youth retreat conference weekend together. He was the speaker and I was just so impressed by what a real guy he is. I mean, who you see is is who you get. And uh, I had some great conversations with him um, in between things. Really enjoyed hearing him speak. And uh, then um, a couple years later, we were at another uh, youth conference, but a really big one in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the Nazarene Youth Conference. And he was um, painting during the worship sets all week long. And then he was the, the, the closer speaker for um, this youth conference. And it was awesome. His painting... Uh, was just inspiring to me during the worship times. And then it all kind of fit together with the theme of the week. And then as he ended speaking, he incorporated that, that painting into that and just sent everybody with this imagery um, and these stories and recap from the other speakers of the week. I mean, the guy's just, he's a team player. He's fun to talk to. So I caught up with him in the back of Michael W. Smith's tour bus. They're on tour together and they're on the way to Texarkana. He kind of talks about that at the beginning. Um, they're going to do a concert that night. And I just talked with him um, about a little bit of everything. Uh, we, we went all kinds of different rabbit trails, but I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, I hope you're uh, inspired in some ways by the conversation um, back and forth, especially with what Eric shares, and that somehow God uses that to encourage you to be an innovator where you live as a part of the church um, in God's kingdom and to help alleviate poverty. And if you'd like to partner with us in some way, you already heard that in the welcome um, but here we go with Eric Samuel Tim, and um, have an awesome day. Yeah, you don't you have some questions you always ask about like the like first responder questions? questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. like warm up questions. We, you said yeah. we skipped those. I'm, we I'm, did. I'm we, one... we, I, they were. I call them first responder questions. It's like ten questions and answer them in ten seconds, and oh, it's, it's kind of a warm up thing. Oh, okay, well, yeah. we don't need a warm up. No, let's do it. Let's let's end with it. Let's let's call this thing with our with some last responder okay. questions. We're the last person that shows up at the emergency scene. And now we're going to answer these questions, okay? <laughs> yeah. And so we'll see what well, happens. And some of these, <laughs> everybody's some of gone these, home. That's right. It's just us. We're it's we're forming triage now. So some of these are are kind of they. It's from me being around you a little bit, and 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 one is kind of an inside just lovely experience and joke so we'll, we'll see what happens with it but okay randomly first one you just you just kind of answer your heart indy car or nascar 
oh man, India is posh, definitely very bougie, you know, like NASCAR, not posh, redneck, um, dirt track, raised, I'm going to go with NASCAR. I, there's something about <laughs> racing that I just, I don't think, not, Indy's great, but it's just, there's too much money involved. NASCAR's got a lot of cash, but the, you walk around the Indy track and you see these people with Louis Vuitton bags and sunglasses, <laughs> and they, they could care less who the Indy drivers are. They're just there for the show, and, the, and they brought their Pomeranian. You go to a NASCAR track, <laughs> and it's like, no, this is the salt of the earth. These are the people that will defend our country if we're ever invaded. That's what NASCAR hands okay. down. All NASCAR. About. Okay, okay. Uh, grape juice or wine for communion? Oh, depending on the church. Okay. Um, depending on the church I'm at, I guess. Okay. That's I fair enough. I believe that Jesus did turn it into wine. However, you know, at a youth event, you don't want to be sending kids home after they had a nice cab select from you know 2006 from napa that's a phone call you never want to get from a parent it's not and this is one of those places where what would jesus do may not apply or no, jesus would no jesus turned water into wine not grape juice he drank wine it wasn't grape juice sorry to spoil it but end of story uh, culturally end of story um i think that's i think that's going to be depending on the church <laughs> depending on the church i'm at that's that's good okay taco but bell. me personally but me personally i yes. would choose wine thank you it's next question you, all around taco bell or navajo taco <laughs> okay all right so first of all little backstory uh i don't think you can put these two things in the same sentence because the navajo taco that you handed to me out the window of a car like a shady pre-wrapped foil drug deal um, <laughs> was, de was delicious. Taco so worth Bell it. does pick up their game once in a while with like a crunch wrap, you know, something with, you know, they have eight ingredients, 200 different ways. What Taco Bell's magic is the marketing. Like how do you take 12 ingredients that are in the back of the kitchen and you have a item that you have a complete menu. That's, I'm impressed. Like, and it changes and they have, it's the same stuff. It's just made different. Navajo tacos. Um, Shuffle the deck. Definitely better culinary, definitely better, better culinary experience. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Taco Bell for ingenuity. Like it's just creativity, hands down. And then I'm going to go with Navajo for, I'm going to go with Navajo tacos, locking it in. Okay. Lyft or Uber? Oh, Lyft, hands down. App's easier, doesn't crash. Um, lift. Aisle or window? Um, what time of day is the next follow-up question? Hmm. Early flights, early flights, late flights, red-eye flights, window. Just don't drink a lot. When you want to sleep, take the window. Um, and typically, I'm going to go with window because if you're in the aisle and Captain Bladder sitting next to you, yeah, you're you're going to get woke up anyway. So I'm I'm going to go with window. Okay. Next, what Beach. I usually choose. Okay. Beach or mountain? 
Mountain Beach. Um, I'm going to, uh, that's wow. Um, personally me mountain mm-hmm. when I'm with, with my wife beach. Got it. Text or call call. Why? Call. Cause it's the least impersonal, impersonal form of communication. I think I think we need to I think we need to teach a class on okay this kind of conversation you can text yes this one you could email uh-huh. and should this one you actually should call and this one you should actually never text call or email you need to drive over to their house you got to do it in person yeah, yeah. I, that's, I, that's... I feel like we, we blur those lines too much and so I love the speed of texting but I am not a fan of how it's crippled our filter for the appropriate human interaction and request. Um, Agreed. Because it's, Agreed. We've lost a little bit ourselves there. Okay. Three more questions. Here we go. Jog or weights for running or lifting? Uh, I'm going to go with jog. Heart health, lung health, cardiovascular health. Cardio you, engine. In, yeah, it's long term. That's going to do you better. Okay. And there's, Cat- there's people that argue with that, but. Right. Too many thoughts there. Okay, cat or dog? Cat or dog? Can I go with Do bird? You <laughs> Do you own either? No, I, we have a dog. I like, I like them both for different reasons, but I'm going to go with dog. Okay. Your dog would be happy, I'm sure. Last one. Shoot. Xbox or Nintendo? Okay. Do we play Super Mario Brothers? Or do we play Super Halo Brothers? (laughs) Okay. No. Let me tell you which one I'm better at. Let me tell you which one I'm not standing in the corner spinning in circles shooting in the air. Nintendo. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Totally with you. No, N- Nintendo Nintendo changed the game. I'm I mean, so... Nintendo, hands down, like, like once, that's, once we went from a television to Atari and then Nintendo, Nintendo, like, that first console, 16-bit or 8-bit or whatever, it was 16-bit. That was crazy good. And then Sega Genesis, Wow. <laughs> but uh xbox if the xbox did not exist my life would be all the better hmm. um, i do i do not care about graphics and frame rates i care about playability and fun and nintendo has never failed to deliver on the portability playability the likability i don't care if they rehash game titles a hundred times the one. If my kids are laughing and having a blast, and I am not afraid of them having that console in their development, uh, Nintendo hands down. I'm I mean, I you. think later, like sports games. I mean, Xbox or a PS4 is going to dominate. Like, right, right. Like when you're playing Madden or NHL or something like FIFA. I mean, that, those those consoles are that's what they're built for. But for like just gameplay, like just good old fun game. 
see, we got your heart and all these deep thoughts leading up to these last responder questions. But now, you know, like we get this, you know, we have, a, we have all that them. heart now to go into these responses. It's a great way, great way to end. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Because you got something going on tonight, right? Like you're on the way. Yeah. We're, we're, we have a concert tonight in Texarkana. Right. Yeah. I'm wearing a skull shirt. Is that okay? I'm totally okay with that. I'm gonna. It says it says it's a fishing place. Yeah, but you're you're um, drinking bubbly, so that totally offsets the skull in anything that would have been bikerish about you. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll do this when we start. <laughs> no, those are two things that I would probably well, definitely the bubbly. I don't have any cool skull shirts. No, that's not true. I have one of yours. No, cool it just says V Rover. Um, it's a it's a fishing place in Aruba. I mean, it'd be better if it was like a tattoo and like, yeah, yeah, but there we go. There we go. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, okay. Are these, okay. are people going to tune into this or is this just pre-recorded? This is just pre-recorded. This is just me and you right now. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. I thought you were going to ask me, is anybody going to actually listen to this? And the answer is, is yeah. I mean, my mom does the obligatory listen. Um, it's nice of her. Yeah, are you are you still there? Yeah, I'm there. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's just my video. Can you see me okay? I can. I mean, I can see you oh, fine. Go. I can see me fine. I don't feel like there's a feed that's bad. I got this big um, prompt on my screen that totally took over the screen. But no, man. Uh, um, I'm wearing is... my AirPods so you can hear me good. So Are you really? You don't have AirPods in, do you? Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they just fit so nice. Um, it's just us, man. It's me, you, and and Jesus right now. And bubbly. And bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm ready to dive in whenever you are. I just wanted to make sure I honored your time and um, was a was available to to do it. Dude, you're stud, man. Um, here's I I've been listening to your podcast a little bit, the Axe Cast. Yep, Axe Academy. Yeah. But do you, do you call it Axe Cast or did I mis, mishear that on the, the Axe Cast? Well, yeah, it's like the Axe Academy. Every episode's an Axe Cast. Um, I like it. It's probably a little confusing on branding, but I'm not really worried about selling it. I like them. Yeah, I so like the Axe Cast, you know, the Axe Cast, so to speak, is uh, an episode-driven delivery method of the axe academy we have a couple other ways that we kind of delineate content out there through courses or interviews webinars you know answered questions you know there's there's different content that we make and just i thought it was good to have that space we have a private version of the podcast that's only okay. available for axe members and then mm -hmm. we have a public version as well and is it, do you do them once a month? Is it more frequent than that? Uh, once a month, usually once or twice a month. Um, usually one like X cast a month that's just sort of topical and what I want to talk about. And then yeah. sometimes there's a special episode, let's say for St. Patrick's Day or for, you know, breast cancer or dealing with suffering or, you know, it's October. So, um, or Halloween or can you can your kids go trick-or-treating if you're christian you know 
like yeah. real actual sometimes questions um, that people ask and, you know, try to try to kind of dive into the fray and give them not my perspective per se, but the perspective that we need to pull from the text and from the teachings of Christ. I mean, everybody can say what they think, but at the end of the day, what we think and what we say needs to be footed and rooted somewhere. And so that's, that's really what I try and do in those special episodes. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's fun to explore, you know, like the um, origins of, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, and you just yeah. kind of give people a little bit of a deeper dive on something that they're already talking about. Yeah, I was, I was listening to you. I, I was looking at some of the titles and just kind of taste tested a couple of them. And I was listening to the, the latest one and I was recognizing some of the themes from when you spoke at Nazarene Youth Conference and talking about depression and fear and anxiety and kind of the truth, the tree, the seeds and the trees and the fruits of those. Um, and um, that's the, that's the latest one, right? Yeah. Yep. And I'm doing another one um, here this month, but the last one that I put out there was just in the wake of a friend of mine who was a pastor that committed suicide and, uh, I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit, um, not because it was trendy, but because it was real to me. And right. asking those questions about mental health, I think, are important. Uh, you know, what do we do with these emotions that God has given us? Um, what do we do with these emotions that the fall has been distorted within us? Um, how do we handle our imperfections, um, you know, in an imperfect emotionally driven world and so you know that that specific episode I think really touched a chord but also dove into in some practical ways like here if you're dealing with this you can do this um rather than just like, talking about it um yeah that's, like an that action was step my big, yeah that was my biggest thing was just give people at least one simple action step you know like hey do you know that this generation is the most depressed and you know, anxiety driven and they hate their life. All right. Well, have a good time. You know, yeah, fact. Like, well, thank you. But you know, what do we do here? Like how do we get to there is or back to who we are. And so I think those action steps are important. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we just kind of jumped in here. I, I have these, I have these like warm up questions, but we might do them last just for fun after we get to talk okay. a little bit and everything. Um, I, I like cool? that. Okay. Um, so, where are you right now? What are you doing? What are you in the middle of? What am I interrupting today? Well, I, you were interrupting a chaotic travel day. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm actually on tour with Michael W. Smith right now. Heard of him. And uh, yeah, we're friends are friends uh, forever. And if the Lord is the Lord of them. We're trying to find our place in this world. World. And, yes, thank um, you. Yep. Uh, so it's been great. You know, Michael's <laughs> such a talent. He's like so gifted in so many, you know, arenas. God has really given him a unique platform with presidents and, and people and, and um, you know, just the power of his music is obvious and evident um, every night. So we're in like a 30 city tour. And tonight specifically, we're in Texarkana, Texas, which yeah. is a mouthful. Um, don't ask me how to spell it, but I'm pretty sure it's like Arkansas and Texas kind of mash, mishmash together. Um, but a really cool downtown, you know, like I love, I mean, I love the U S I love the, I, 
you know, frankly, there's not a place where I can't appreciate the sure the beauty in whatever form that it's in. But you know, there are walls and cars that I've seen that the Texas sun and the dirt and the dust. There's no way you could ever make it that way unless it was here for 60 yeah. years. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's patinaed in such a way that like if you wanted to capture it as an artist, you couldn't. You'd have to. It would be an 80-year process. Dedication. For sure. Yeah. So I've, I've known you for a couple of years. There's mm -hmm. people that have heard you speak. They've, they've read you. They've heard, they, they've been exposed to you in different ways, but maybe, maybe somebody listening to this is not really sure um, what uh, Eric Samuel Tim is all about. So right, right. who are, who well, are you? What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> well, to that person who's watching this, that's trying to figure it out. Join the club. <laughs> you know, same, jo same. join the club. That is a cyclical question that I don't think ever really goes away. Um, you know, what am I going to do when I grow up? And then when you're growing up, you're like, well, what am I going to do when I grow up? And, you know, for me, it's, it's just been the question, obviously, but faithfulness and obedience, um, you know, and just pursuing fruit. Um, probably isn't the best pursuit sometimes it's pursuing the vine that's the one that we're supposed to go after you know and the fruit just kind of comes so a lot of times people measure the fruit that they see the things I do the results right like when you ask me hey what do you what do you do what tell, tell somebody who doesn't know what you are what you're really saying is like hey show them your collection of stuff that you've birthed or that you've make or that you get paid to do or whatever um but really, I, I, as, a, as a follower of Christ, I am uh, passionate about knowing Jesus more personally and uh, allowing that to be the thing that, like I live out of the overflow as a, as a Bible communicator. I, I don't ever want to prepare for a sermon. Um, I want to live prepared for that sermon. And there's a difference there. Uh, not to say that I wouldn't put the time in because anybody who's seen, you know, me speak in a, in a venue or live at a church or whatever the case is. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've worked very hard to become the, the best physical mechanic of the art of and craft of speaking. But, you know, I think living prepared, I think, has just been so key for me and I guess who I am as I follow Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm never really teaching the Bible in a way of something I'm, you know, um, necessarily know it's typically what I'm learning and out of that flow you know you, you move into some of my other roles as a dad and as as a husband and some of these things are just so paramount in my life um you know to shepherd my kids' heart and to disciple them and to be the best husband I can for my wife and you don't you know that doesn't always show up in a venue or it doesn't always show Great. up in a in a in an Instagram feed but those those are the three really, I would say, you know, pillars of who I am as, as a follower of Christ and a father and a husband. Uh, and, and out of those things, as a writer, as a, you know, an author, a communicator, an artist, someone who uses the arts, really, whether it be poetry or, you know, a, a poem about bubbly, <laughs> trying to really capture um, the message out of that overflow um, and putting it in a vehicle that 
is experiential and multidimensional um, and just allowing God to do the supernatural. Uh, that's, that's really kind of what I'm called to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's really what I've been doing for the last 15 years in a variety of different places is just bringing hope, truth, you know, God's truth and the hope of, of, uh, of this world in public schools and private schools and churches and camps, conventions and tours and retreats and, you know, all of the above, but centered around those, those three things, putting it in the vehicle of, um, of the arts, I think is really kind of what I'm all about. Um, and what I've tried to stay about, um, and in the years ahead with the books that I'm writing and the things I'll be releasing and making and birthing that, that is the underpinning, you know, to provide a, an experiential and a multi-dimensional experience of the teaching of God's word, um, through the arts, all based in the fact that this is something I'm learning. Um, but with the priorities and my own, you could say, um, undergirding or my own underpinning of a follower of Christ and a dad and a husband. I just have seen too many people go and do what I do and they, they lose sight of those three uh, yeah. or two, whether it be if they, if they don't have kids, that's fine. I, that's not a problem. You don't, I mean, kids aren't going to make your life better. Uh, they're going to make it richer. They're going to make it uh, deeper, but they're not going to make your life better. I mean, like your life, you know, like, because yeah. you're going to die to yourself. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's really been sort of the key component. And um, it's been a crazy ride, man. Like, I never really set out to do any of this stuff. It all just sort of just sort of happened. And, like, as far as the art piece and the speaking piece and public schools and writing and all, I mean, I'm not supposed to be here, but somehow we got here and I'm just thankful. This is why I want to talk to you. This is this is why I've enjoyed the the, the different times that that we've we've connected, um, because it. I mean, I I've just I've found in my life, if my walk with Christ, if I'm pursuing that, if I'm if I'm pursuing and protecting my relationship with my wife, if I'm prioritizing my kids, if I get those three, in mm -hmm. some way of some variety of health and pursuing those things everything else is supposed to flow out of my life, whatever that fruit is supposed to be. That's, mm -hmm. that's going to happen. It's going to, it can happen a lot of different ways, but that's, that's going to happen. And well, I just, I love how real and, and, and authentic that is just, just coming. Cause I know that's, that's you. That's, that's who, yeah, I, that's I think who it, you are. I think it's, it, it's real, you know, but I think it also um, is important um, for the success of, of your ministry uh, your example, your witness, your role as a husband, as a, as a father. I mean, it's essential to have that in place. Um, you know, you, you go, you, you can go and manufacture success. You can go and market your way to some level of, of notoriety. You can pay the money and get your name in lights. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, does your son know who you are? Yeah. Are you the pastor of your home? Are you leading your wife to Jesus, your spouse, your significant other, whatever it is nowadays? But the, the point is, is like that, that I think that that car before the horse metaphor, you know, I think is so true. And people that are doing vocational ministry, 
because uh, you can get so busy ministering that you forget to be a minister. You can get so busy teaching people about Christ that you forget that you have to pursue him yourself. You know? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, man, really, that's really kept us going and we haven't had like the commercial success that some of my peers have had or, you know, the best New York best time seller and, um, you know, the, the accolades or this, that, or this conference, but I can't complain, man. God has opened up the door. He has opened up and I'm very thankful, you know, and I'm sitting on this Michael W. Smith's tour bus, you know, great. And great. There's always, there's always something else though, dude. Like, I don't know. That might be a question that you're thinking about, but I think people, when they get those three, the next, here's the next step. And I'll just put a question in here. We talk about those three, right? Those, if, if it's a three, whatever the bedrock is that everything else flows, you know, in John, Jesus says, I'm the vine, pursue the vine, the fruit comes. But when you start seeing the fruit, then you start looking at other people's fruit. You start seeing their field, their produce, their, thing and then we move the goalposts we don't like celebrate the fruit that we have and and hold it and wash it and chop it up and bake it and put it in a pie and sit with it we don't do that what we do is we get we get a level of success in ministry with after we've pursued the vine and we've got our core and then all of a sudden we're like i could i could do better i could do more i could be bigger i could do you know and it's like all of a sudden we start mm -hmm. going man i want the fruit that that guy has um and so i've I've tried to really do my best um, mentally and emotionally to just not settle, be driven, but be content and be yeah. settled. You know, like if this is the last interview I ever do, I'm okay with that. Um, like in my soul, it's well, you know, and I, I think, I think a lot of times that that's the, juxtaposition buddy in ministry where you, you want to settle but you don't want to be settled you want to have this discontentment but we need to live with contentment you know and so that that's that's kind of like trying to not move the goalposts and just try and like enjoy the end zone and do the dance and oh there's another there's another football field okay cool let's go over there you know we're going deep man I, you took a yeah, just, I, I like it I'm, appreci I'm appreciating it. Let me, let me ask, right. let me ask, um, just on a, on a, a passion level, what, what are you, what are you working on right now with something that you're really excited about? Um, oh, whatever easy. arena of life it's in. Oh, dude, I, I've got this kid's book that I wrote. Um, and I, laid out the art i did a lot of the watercolor and stuff and then i had a buddy of mine help me with some of the illustrations because he's got a dream and i want to help launch his dream um and it's a book uh called catching unicorns and so i did one of them one of the versions with beavers a, a dad and a son they're first okay. and then i did a version with a mom and a daughter with their bunnies so you got bunnies and beavers and it's this whole metaphor about making your kid's childhood like like authentic and rich and deep and you read the book and at the end um you realize that the kid is the unicorn um so this moment with their child that's the special unique thing and my i did the one with watercolor and it's super cool and i'm really proud of it um 
but then the one with the bunnies the one the thing i'm most excited about the mom and daughter my daughter who's five i printed all the illustrations out blank and she colored them with crayons and so you got this little girl's version of this story as i read it to her she's coloring these illustrations oh yeah it's it's i'm so i'm so stoked about it and then i've got another series of books that i'm doing um can't tell you the title um yet just because the publisher would kill me but um sure. essentially there are these there are these books that are about communication and creativity and comparison and culture and like there are a lot of the things that we talk about in the axe academy but they're almost like visual novels where if you ever remember rob bell's first book velvet elvis um, yeah when you when you looked at the pages and the margins i that was the first book that i was like there's got there's air in this book they've got things spaced and then if you've ever read the books feel like an artist by this guy named austin kellen or something it's almost like he sharpied a quote and then it's you know it's like so i'm making these like high level christian living books that are a lot like static jedi um you know in in the world they will live in but they're like these graphical novels where you and your team could literally read it in a day and it's punchy and it's to the point and it's encompassing and it's it's got so much value um there's some really good revelation i feel like the lord has given me just through scripture and i'm excited about that because you know people don't always read books i mean it's you, you got to sit down you're going to read a 60,000 page book well it's going to take you a week these these books are all going to come in this pack and there's it's i'm just stoked about it man they're cool it's going to be a tell. really super sick series that yeah. people i think are actually going to read which is like that's the whole point right <laughs> sure the point of a book is to read it no i can't i mean i'm, I'm seeing it and i love the imagery of your daughter like color. so those are actually going to be in the publication you're the watercolor and then she comes along with 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 the the crayon and her own coloring yeah and that'll be in there so she'll be she'll be listed in She'll be listening to copyright stuff and all that. It's it's awesome. My that's wife's uh, book, it's a novel. She that's that's coming out this year. Um, my wife's an author. We're we're trying to buy a farm right now. I could actually get the 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 call um, that they accepted our offer. So if they're watching this, you know, and oh, you accepted cool. our offer, praise God, we've been praying. So there's just some cool things in those arenas. Um, you know that that I'm really 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 stoked about currently. Where, where does the, the, the fusion of faith and art kind of originate for you? When do those things begin to overlap in a way you're like, I'm going to communicate this way. And, this, and like, where, where, where does that, where's that first story at? That's a good question. Um, well, first of all, as I've studied this a little bit, I think the church is, I, I know the church, the church, the people of God, the organized institution as well is responsible for some of the greatest works in history sure yeah so it's not something that we have never done we've always used the arts to communicate the story we know it's the most powerful medium you know the visual the audio that you can go through every you know dance and poetry and you know it's, it's just it's such a powerful vehicle um i stumbled into that after i had painted a bunch of paintings and I went to all these like art festivals. I would jury my art in and I would sell art and prints. 
And then in 2004, we did a couple Christian music festivals as well, where I'd go and set up a booth and we did a youth specialties event. And so you had all this cool art that I did that I thought was cool. Some people thought it was weird, but it all had a meaning and a, and a reason, something deeper, which at that time in 2004 or five, there was really, there was no Instagram. There was nothing like this, you know, there was, it was very new. Like, yeah. And so, um, uh, my wife said, just one night flippantly on the couch, she said, I have an idea. And I go, what? She goes, you should paint one of these paintings live um, at one of your art shows. We sh you should paint one of these in the booth, a version of it. And so I tried it and a, a whole crowd gathered like just to watch hmm. this painting. And I sold the painting for like 500 bucks right there. And, 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 and then it was like, man, that, that really worked like people want to see that like yeah they want to see that created it's like they want to experience live music they're totally okay with experiencing a painting that takes eight or nine minutes they were they were fine with it hmm. so that's that's when i think the the genius started i'd have to give my wife that credit but at the same time um really something we stumbled into both in the timing you know, what was needed in the world, what was needed in the atmosphere was something new like that. And not that people had never done performance art before. Um, not that I invented that version of it, but you know, in the spaces that we were doing it in um, and that we moved into like with public schools and, you know, some different art festivals and then Christian music festivals. And that, that was a big breath of fresh air for people to see something created in front of them. Hmm. It's like, yeah, because it's like you're, um, you're a part of it. Like you're seeing it happen. It's not that I'm contributing to it, but I'm seeing it and I'm trying to like, it's like when I, when I, when I, you know, I, it was at the Nazarene youth conference the last time that I saw you live doing this and, and, I, this question is continually going in my mind that for me, uh, I connect with the worship. I feel like deeper in the music when I'm seeing something be create, being created at the same time like this artistically. And, but this question is going in my mind, like, what, what is it? And what, you know, some of the ones that you do and you, you like turn it and then you're like, Oh, a different perspective, yeah. your perspective shifts in the midst of it. Now you're looking at it and it connects right. to your faith. The whole dynamic of that is so compelling for, for me. It draws me in. Well, I'm definitely not the only person doing that now. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that do it that I've hopefully helped inspire. And some of those people, you know, have been on America's Got Talent and all the rest of it, which is amazing, um, you know, on, on big, large platforms. And I think the truth in anything that we do, um, you know, we, we serve an experiential God. Um, we serve an artistic God, you know, go, go stand in front of the Grand Canyon and just ask that yourself that question if God's an artist um, and so in that image that we are made in um, we also enjoy experience and experientialism and things that are experiential and we also enjoy the arts we we connect with those things and it's by no mistake and it's not by accident and um, I think I think for me what's been the coolest thing about like how that all started is to see where it's all gone, but also see what people have done that are, that are going further, that are doing 
that are doing more, that are taking that and like really making it their own in a, in a good way. But, you know, I've had some really candid off the stage conversations with people that had said like very kind things about just inspiration. And, you know, that, that was a special few years there where I was, I was birthing something in me, but in all, all of us and whatever God's calling us to, we cannot forget that when we are faithful to what he's asking us to do, what is happening in others is there is something birthing in them. Something is creating while you are creating. And I, and I, and I just have lived long enough and done this long enough to see that <laughs> revolving door. You know, that lazy Susan has come around twice here and, uh, it's been fun. It's just, it puts, it put it puts gas in your batteries, you know? Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, super, superchargers in there, not gassing your batteries, charging your tank, you know, whatever gassing your batteries. You flip -flop, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might work. We don't know. We don't. All right. Tesla figured out. What? Yeah. They'll, they'll do it. They'll, they'll hybrid that. Um, let me, let me take, let me take a question just about your journey and faith, uh, back even, even a little bit further. Um, I'd, um, I'd love to hear just about how you came to faith in Christ and how you express, um, God's calling or direction or what the, what the languages you, you, you put around that that's led you to this point and journey in life. Okay. Well, the, my, my journey to faith has been, you know, probably a lot like many who have been raised in a Christian home. You know, my dad was a pastor. I was raised in a certain worldview, a certain biblical worldview. Um, but a lot of times, just like that parable of the son who stays home that has all the check boxes and the prodigal son, you're just as lost as, you know, the one that leaves and rebels and the testimony that everybody is jealous of that you, you know, like with that one guy that, oh, that's a story. That kid's got a story, you know? Hmm. So there's, there's two versions of, of lostness that can come upon us. And, you know, I was raised with a certain perspective and I had a great experience being a pastor's kid. I've got a great relationship with my mom and dad. Uh, but there came a time when I was definitely lost in my own religious checkbox life. And I had to make it my own. I had to make that physical pursuit. Um, you know, by grace through faith. It wasn't something that I had to do. It was something that he had already done, but how I lived mattered. What I said had repercussions and what I did with my time and how I executed that, that gift of, of faith and grace. That, that, was a, that was something I had to do myself. I, I tell people all the time, man, God has no grandchildren. Uh, he only has sons and daughters and you will have to make this thing your own. Yeah. This can't be someone else's mission this is has this has to be your pursuit so I had, to, I had to do that in my life and um that definitely came later in life amidst college and you know some some finding of yourselves post high school and really asking the hard question what I, what do i who do i want to be not what do i want to be but who do i want to be and mm -hmm. uh you know, what a lot of times is the, the career question, you know, what are you going to get paid to do? The who is the character question. And I think that's the question we need to have ourselves ask, who do we want to be? Um, a lot of times, you know, when you're growing up, 
the what is the question. You know, what what are you going to do for a living? What you know, where are you going to go to school? It's all tied into the what. You know, and really the trick to it all is who. You know, hmm. uh, who, who are you? Um, because who who you are takes you much farther than what you are. Um, you know, what you do is always going to be overshadowed by who. The who is always going to drive that what. It, that's just. So I had, I had to make that my own and I had to really ask that question and, and I'm thankful I did. Um, you know, regarding the call of God in my life, I, I feel like the word call and the word will is thrown around a lot together. Yeah. You know, we start talking about God's will. We start talking about the call of God. And that I think is sometimes a, a bit like confusing uh scripture's got five verses that talk about the will the will of god you know like this is the will of god and there's five of them um five scriptures that explicitly say what god's will is um and yet we still like try and search this thing out for like god's will that it's hidden like the cosmic easter bunny or like it's this one ring that fits them all and it's this one thing you have to do and if every if you do anything else you're gonna fail you know like scary so so like, yeah, the, the, the call of God and, and then the, the idea of, you know, the will of God, you know, the call of God um, on our lives is I, I fundamentally, you know, have really stood on this in, in Psalms just about giving us the desires of our heart, mm -hmm. our pure heart before the Lord. And so, you know, like following that path of peace has really been how I've discovered the, the call you know, and the skin on that role. What does that look like? I, I do believe we have a call in a general sense that we all do. Be salt, be light, restore, repair, go into the world. We have a general call, uh, anyone that's going to profess Christ. But we also have a very specific role. And when, you, when you're asking this question, you're, I'm not talking about God's will. Okay, God's will is already established. It's there. It's it's sovereign. It's over this whole thing. His will is to give us the decision or the free will to make a decision or a choice to participate in this call, in this yeah. covenant that's overarching for us all. And then we have a, we have, I believe we have a, a very specific role um, or call. You know, like like the twelve tribes of Israel had very specific roles or or calls in the general banner of the people of God, and you can see that even taught with you know the early church's roles. Um, and so, when you're talking to me like the discovery of my call or what I'm doing, it's really been you know something specific that's been dictated by the path of peace. Um, I mean, peace, peace is your umpire. Um, scripture hmm. declares the kingdom of God is righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy. And peace is that umpire in the middle. And here's, here's what I think we need. What I've tried to land on, bro, is just this. I need to choose right. Not what I want. Not self-righteous, but choose right behind doors, in front of doors, off stage, on stage. Make the best choice I can make. When you do those things, like when you, when you do the righteousness part of it, yeah. you, you just have, you have peace and right. then you have joy. 
you know, you quit that job because you know you're supposed to. That's the right thing to do. You have peace. You don't have a job when you're, or you have peace and you, and you don't have a job and you're unemployed and you go home happy with so, you go home with such joy where everyone else like, you just lost your job. But yeah, I, let's go off rice grape. It's like, it makes no sense because right. this follows this mold, you know? And when you meet people that don't have joy, well, generally they don't have peace and generally it's because they haven't chosen right. You know, you, you talk to a person who's addicted to methamphetamines they struggle with joy and they, their, their heart is in inner turmoil. And it's because the first time they had that choice, they took the path they shouldn't have took, uh, have taken with that, with that narcotic. Uh, that's why I say peace is right in the middle. It's, it's been my umpire. And so in decisions, in, you know, experiments and questions and projects and events and places I speak or preach, do I have peace? Do I have peace sitting in front of, you right now? Do I have peace sitting on this bus? Is there a deep-seated shalom, a sense of horizontal mm. and vertical relationship that is whole and, and beautiful? And, uh, and the answer is yes in this case. And the answer is yes in this bus. And it's, the answer is yes in, in my roles as a dad and as a, as, a, as a husband and as an author and the places I've gone. I, I've said no to events and no to places that will pay me a lot of money to come preach and paint. Um, because I just don't, ha I just didn't have peace about the theme. I didn't have peace about the direction. I didn't have peace about my role. I just, it just pieces the umpire. And, you know, we make that decision and all of a sudden peace isn't there. We need to go, wait, let me back up. Let me just back up here and see if I can write this shit because I made a decision and I cho and I'm choosing this path of righteousness and I, the, my ways might seem right, but this isn't, I didn't, I'm not in tune here. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Cause I don't have peace about it. You know? And that's, a, that's a deep seated weird thing that I can't empirically prove in a lab. That's a, that's a very supernatural way of explaining like, yeah. Well, how do you know? Well, I just have peace. I mean, yeah, no, but you know what? I, 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 I yeah, I, so, I resonate anyway, that's with that, the answer, Eric. To answer your question, those, those two things. Yeah, man. I mean, there's just, uh, just, just a couple of thoughts from what you were sharing there. One, I, Will and calling. I, I think another two things we get confused are, are God's leading and his, and his calling. So, like, I'll say, I, I feel like my calling is into youth ministry. And I, but I've expressed that as a paid youth worker, a paid youth pastor, and, and, and as a volunteer in lots of different roles but God's led me a lot of different places with, within that calling. There's been some specific things I knew that like, this was my next step. And why, how did I know? Because I had peace about that. I, the, the, the phrase, um, peace is the umpire. Man, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, that's, that's my takeaway from our conversation. I needed to be reminded yeah. of that and just, just have that handle, um, on that because that's, that's how I stumbled into making the best decisions that I've made in my life. <laughs> and that's how my wife and I yeah, discern and, and, what and we're going to do together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even when you like didn't have the money in the checkbook and you, all the other measurables weren't, you know, whatever they were and you still had joy. You just did. It was some of the best seasons of your life. And, you know, and so I think that's, that's really, when you don't have peace, man, you got to really, that's a stop. That's the stop check. That's why he's, yeah. that's why he's the empire. He's the prince of peace. You know, like 
he's not the god of war you know it's like that when the holy spirit settles on you and you're settled in where god's put you in that ravine or in that mountaintop or whatever circumstance you're in you're going to have peace and if you don't then you need to ask yourself the question did i place myself here yeah i found in my own life that when i don't have peace it's just you know like when i don't have that deep-seated wholeness you know i'm certainly not joyful and it's and it's because i did, i i chose what i want i chose yeah. what was good on paper I chose what paid, I chose what paid the most. I chose what paid the least, you know, I tried to take one for the team and, uh, you know, like lay down what I'm really passionate about. And, you know, so th there's a ton of different hypotheticals, but I just, at the end of the day, I think that's the middle part. Peace is the umpire. Yeah. That's good. It. How are you doing on time, man? Just fine, man. I can, Wrap whenever you want to wrap. I can keep going. I'm, I'm doing all right. Cool. I, I blocked out an hour hour for this as well. Yeah. Well. Well. Me too. But I want to make sure I'm. I know you've 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 got a lot you're getting into tonight, and and um, you're bringing it here. You're sharing your heart and your passion, and um, appreciate it. So I'll keep asking yeah. some questions though. If you're good. Yep. Um. You talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, when I asked, what, what are you doing? And follower of Christ, wife, kids, family, how do you strive for balance? Being, uh, doing what you're doing, speaking, writing, traveling yeah. with your, well, let me ask, uh, let me ask with you your marriage, with your kids. How, how, like, how, how do you do it? Do you want, do you want me to respond? Yeah, please do. Well, of course. Um, I, I try to be present to my wife and my kids each day in a specific way. And I'm not traveling a lot. Um, and my wife doesn't right. need, my wife doesn't need as much contact with me as I need with her. It feels like, like I'll be, a, if I'm on a trip, I'll text her and that's cool. But if I try to FaceTime, she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to talk to a virtual you. Like when you're here, let's talk. Well, yeah. And um, she, yeah. And she's probably dealing with the kids. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, each day I just try to be present. Um, yeah. With my connect with them in the morning before we go off to work, before we go to school. Uh, and in the evenings we, um, we have family meal together each evening um, as often as we can, which we, we really strive for and found that that's a pretty unique thing and not everybody can do that because of schedules and everything, but that's something that, that we do. And, and, um, no, everybody can do it with kids at least once or twice a week. They can, you got to prioritize it. Yeah. And you got to fight for yeah, it. And even if, gotta, even, even if it's like, let's all meet at McDonald's, who cares? Just make it happen. Yeah. You can do it. it makes it, it you makes don't have to all difference. sit down at a table where you're going to take a picture and post it on Pinterest and show everybody how great you are at adulting. You can go to Arby's with your kids and your wife and make it a family. The That's table right. is, is a portable sanctuary. Um, That's good. In my opinion. No, it's, it's, that's really good. And you, you, you turned this on me so and you, I, I, I love, I love, I love sharing about this stuff. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you to, to, to share with folks, but I'll just, yeah, I'll just, well, I, I, I'll, I, will, I will share it to you. Yeah. 
but I want to know, like, like when is when is your next vacation with your wife? Just her and I, or with our family? family? Yeah, just you and the kids. Her. When you guys? Where are you going? When are you going? Is it on your calendar? Yeah, you know, I'm the one that's always going. When are we going to go on vacation? Because I'd like to get this on the calendar. Um, we we did some a little bit of the summer. Um, we took a we took a week together. Um, the, our next one is going to be christmas we all get the we all get the week off between christmas and new year so we're it's going to be a it's going to be a staycation but that's going to be our, nice. our next all downtime nobody's on anybody else's clock yeah well i'm not trying to put you in the hot seat no um, it's okay it's good <laughs> but you asked me the question of how do you balance everything and um i got rid of that word a long time ago and mm-hmm. If you play this tape back, this recording, this video, when I ask you those questions, you never once said the word balance. But you did say, I want to be present. Mm -hmm. And you also did say that we're going to get together. And you never use the word balance. It's because balance is insert whatever off color word you want to put in here. It's a bunch of garbage. Hmm. balance is trash we have to stop using that word balance life is never balanced okay jesus's ministry wasn't balanced he was crazy what he was doing like all right we're gonna go over here we're gonna feed these people okay i gotta get out of here we're gonna go sleep on a boat i'm gonna sleep while i'm going across the river and then i'm gonna do with this guy over here with the demon and like there's no there's no balance there i mean he he was he but he but he was faithful um and I think that's the biggest thing that I've I've had to try and do is you want to be faithful to the presence with your wife and your kids every day. Yeah. You want to be faithful to to your work. You want to be faithful. And so you could use the word faithfulness instead of balance. And so you ask the question in terms of balance. First of all, I don't believe you could ever stack up enough of the equilibrium on the scales of your life and say okay i've got my work and labor here and my things i'm trying to balance with these things and look at how perfectly in sync oh we got a flat tire oh crap somebody puked on the carpet (laughs) oh the cat you know like like life life has a way of like tipping it out of out of balance very Hmm. quickly um and so if we're trying to fight that, I feel like we're trying to not surf with the wave. We're, we're, we're swimming up current. Um, so I, I use the word faithful. And I'll, I'll, what I mean by that is I think we need to be faithful to the work that God has entrusted us to do. You know, so when we're working, we're really working. We're laboring. It's the gifts that we have monetized that are now talents, you know, and it is something we're going to need to take a Sabbath from to step out. There's a whole deep thought here, but the point is, is it's under the curse. Our work, no matter how beautiful, how purposeful, how rich, it's the very thing that in the garden, by the sweat of your brow, you will toil and eat from the land. And if you're getting paid in a paycheck, a W-9, a 1099, an honorarium, cash, or whatever, if you get paid to do it, it's work. Yeah. And that work, you have to be faithful to. But what you have to be faithful to, I think, when it comes to how do you do this as a follower of Christ, as a, as a mom, dad, you know, husband, wife, you have to be faithful to the rest. 
and you have to work harder for the rest than you do for the work. Uh, and I've strived to Sabbath better than I preach. I've worked harder for these vacations and these experiences and the presence and the faithfulness and the retreats and the table time with my family than I have for the stage. And if you work harder for that, um, intimacy with your family, with Christ, with your wife, with your husband is not found in work. It's not found in labor. It's found in rest. Intimacy with God was after he rested in the garden. They walked in, in rest. There was no toil. There was no curse yet. There was no labor pains. There was no effort here. It was how we were designed to do. And I think intimacy with our spouse specifically with our kids, it's not going to come from our efforts of work that we get paid to. It's going to come in the margin of our life. I have something I'll leave you with um, just for a thought about this is, is something I learned from my dad. And if you've ever gone to Starbucks, um, what am I saying? If you've ever gone to Starbucks, if you've ever gone to a coffee shop, Weekly with my um, wife on a coffee date. <laughs> right, right. Perfect. But they ask you, do you want room for cream? You know what I'm saying? They go, yeah. do, do you want room for, for cream? And so I guess what I'm trying to say is every time somebody asks you that question at, at a coffee shop, ask yourself this question. Am I living my life with room for cream? Do I live and work with room for rest? Mm. Because I think we got to be faithful to the room that's not occupied by the thing we do. We got to be faithful to the margin that we need to put the good things that make the coffee all the sweeter and better. You know, we concentrate so much on the, on the, what's in the cup, but we forget that space that's not in the cup is you're going to be able to put some caramel in there. You're going to be able to put some cream in there, some sugar in there, whipped cream on the top. They're going to make this into a liquid dessert and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so you got to live, you got to live with room for cream. And you know, the, the reason I ask you about your vacation is because like I, I meet a lot of people that number one, they don't know what they do for fun. They know what they do for work, but they don't know what they do for fun. Um, and number two, they don't know when their next vacation is with their spouse. And they don't know when their next vacation is with their spouse and their kids. And if you can't answer the question to me on any given day, if I was your life coach, which I'm not, and I don't want to be, so don't ask. But the point <laughs> is, is too much work. What do you do for fun? What do you, yeah, you're quite the case. What do you do for fun? <laughs> where are you going on vacation with your wife and where are you going on a family vacation in the next 365 days? What are you doing on your day off this week? If you can't answer those questions then what you're doing is, is you're living unfaithful to the rest. You're faithful to the work. You're literally living to work, not working to live. Yeah. You are a human doing, not being. And how you do this, how I've done this, is I've had to really, I've had to really live with some contentment, not move the goalposts, know who I am, not what I am. Yeah. But I've had to live with room for cream. I've had to live with room for cream. 
I've That's had good. to live faithful. I've had to live faithful with the space that that I need. That Sabbath, weekly, yearly, monthly. It's just that it's almost that cadence, that rhythm of creation that that we need to, you know, dance with. You ever hear That's of a good, thing called you ever hear of a thing again? called a sabbat sabbatical? Yeah, I have heard of those. So I'm convinced. I watched my dad, and he's gotten better at this. I've watched myself deal with this early on, especially. It's a crazy section of verses in the book of Leviticus about a field that you got to let rest every seven days or every mm -hmm. seven years, mm -hmm. or it will be barren for like 70 years. So in a sense, God says, if you don't let this field rest, it's not going to work well for a long time. So what's the field made out of? Dirt. What are, what are we essentially made out of? Mud, dirt. Yeah, clay. Like God molded the dirt, breathed this ruah, this breath into it. So what makes us think that we don't have to rest? Mm -hmm. So I would never make the claim theologically or even exegetically fancy word for interpretation of scripture there with my hermeneutic that that field automatically applies to us. And that's what that means. But I will make the claim that I've watched firsthand from empirical data that I can measure by watching pastors, ministry leaders, small business owners, parents forego the Sabbath for a number of weeks or years. And then they need a sabbatical for a year because they're so burnt out. They can't, they don't even know what to do with themselves. What, yeah. what does that sound? What does that sound like to you? It sounds a lot like that field. It sounds a lot like the dirt in that field, that dirt happens with us. And so I'm just, saying without saying that the reason why people need a sabbatical is because they don't they don't work for the sabbath and you got to work for the sabbath the greater your responsibility in the job that you have you got to work for the sabbath auto responders you're on call as a doctor you're i mean you got to work for the sabbath if the barn is burning down call the neighbor i am on my i am in my lawn chair drinking bubbly yeah. watching football I'm jumping on a trampoline with my kids. We're going, we're going to go make a memory. You know, it takes work. It's just as hard of work to get to the rest as it is to actually get to work in my opinion. Oh, I uh, agree wholeheartedly. So that that's, that's what I say. Live with room for cream and be faithful to the rest. And I think that whole conversation about how do you keep it balanced goes away. I think how, how do you live in the rhythm of faithfulness is, is what you'll discover. Oh, that's good, man. I, I, and I, I, re I receive that critique and, and push back on that because I, I think, I think that's my heart. Um, but well, I don't, I don't, I don't live balanced. I don't live balanced. Like I, when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, I'm always out of balance, but I'm like striving for it. But no, I can't, I can't live really in that, in that tension. You maybe think of something else too. And, and you've, um, have you ever noticed, we'll go, um, what do you do for a living? And then my response is, I am a blank. 
So we ask this yeah. doing question or we respond with a being answer. I've always found that, that comparison interesting. Of Yeah, that's very, very, very uh, insightful on your part. I, I see what you're saying totally. It's so woven into the fabric of our just chit chat conversation with somebody we might just bump into or you're in a, you're in a car for a little bit. What do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. I am a, so I've, I've tried to, I've tried to think about how I respond to that without being too wordy to somebody that doesn't really know me or care, you know, but I like how am I authentically answering? Well, well and, and and no, no one's going to ask you, what are you gifted at? Yeah. You know? Yeah, they don't want to hear or no. care. <laughs> no, I, I can see the tension there. I think when someone asks you, what, what do you do? You know, that language has these assumed meaning and, and, and baggage with it. Uh, you know, it just, it does. And when we as a culture in the West, in America, say, what do you do? We're, we're not asking who you are or what do you, you know, what's your hobbies? We're asking you, what is your work? What, what do you get paid to do? How do you make a living? How do you put bread on your table? What are you toiling the earth with? So you can get yeah. paid to, you know, so, and that's not necessarily a flaw to their question. No, um, no, no. But, but at when, the same when you time, get into the these, tension, the, yeah. The tension exists because, uh, well, frankly, the tension exists because it's deeper in you. Um, it might not be deeper than them, in them though. They might just be asking the doing question. It might sure. not have a being component. You know, that's the one thing that I love about, you know, the Christ-centric worldview. You know, this Judeo underpinning, right, that we're from, um, that moved into this Christianity 2.0. Like, we see the world when you start having these conversations much wider than just the doing, the doing is a very narrow, like, you know, dictator, authoritarian, like, what do you do for work? You know, well, wait, what, who am I? Like there's, mm -hmm. what's my identity in Christ? You know, you start, you start widening that conversation just by our faith underpinning, which is a beautiful thing. So we can't make the assumption that they've widened that conversation. Right. Right. Um, and at the same time, I think it's a great opportunity for us to really tell them firsthand if we have a ministry, if we have a way that we're sowing our gifts, what that is. Because they're asking a talent question. Uh, they're asking a monetization of a gift talent question. They're asking the mm -hmm. work question. And when they ask you, what do you do? You, you, and you start saying, well, I, I, um, I actually, <laughs> funny thing, um, I volunteer at a soup kitchen. I feed the homeless. I'm a flag football coach. Um, I invest in my community. Um, I make art and I give it away and I build wells. I help people put shoes on people's feet in another world that don't have shoes. Um, yeah, no, but what do you do? Um, well, that's what I do. How I, how I get there is um, I work drywall. Um, I'm a banker. Um, I'm a paid speaker. Yeah. 
you know, and so I think, I think the do question is a great opportunity for followers of Christ to really point to the work that they have in the kingdom, what they're doing for the king, that they would do for free without merit or reward on this earth, that they would do whether they got paid to do it or not, what they're sowing. That is, that is the question that, that's how I would answer that question, because then you deepen the conversation right out of the gate, because the, the, the problem in the person's mind whether they're a Christian or not, is they're just automatically going to be thinking by way of the baggage of the language that the do question has. Well, wh what do you get paid to do? But how do you make a living? You didn't tell yeah. me. Well, I know I didn't tell you because it, how I make a living is work. And how I live this living is what I do. Mm. And I think, I think sometimes those things can coexist in, you know, in a job that like, you know, that you're working. But even those people, I think you still have to have a way that you're, you know, giving, sewing. You know, it's like you get this job and you dream this dream and then you work this job and you work this dream and then you quit this stinking stupid job and you live this dream. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, the dream is work. Yeah. Now, now yep. I'm working this dream and now like this whole thing that I, now, now this is drywall again. Right. Yep. And, um, and then now what do I do? You know? So those are questions that the dreamers or the, the dreamers that had become the doers of their dream have to ask the question, what do you, what do you do? Uh, what's your dream again? You know? And I think that cycle needs to always be happening in us. Hmm. That's way deeper than, where you maybe wanted to go there, but that's, no, that's, the, that's why we're answer. talking. We could talk about all kinds of uh, different things, you know, and, and have, and have a lot of fun doing it. But man, this is, this is the stuff that I wanted to kind of dive into and, and hear your heart and share back and forth. So thanks for taking some time to do it. My brother. Cool, man. Eric, thanks so much for, for taking time, my brother. Yeah, dude. Just send me a copy of this too, so I can post it on the Axe Academy. I'd be glad to. Be glad to do that. All right, man. Have a great evening. I'll be praying for you as you get out there. Yeah, I will. Love you guys. See you, buddy. All right. Love you, man. Bye.